0: Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back, everyone, to our fourth episode of But Why, Though, a philosophy-themed comedy podcast. And I'm philosophy student Nyancy Lopez at Brooklyn College.
1: And I'm comedian Josh Carter of New York City, baby.
0: Today is also May Day, International Workers' Day, so we do want to take the time to acknowledge and appreciate all of our farm workers, our nurses, our doctors, everyone that has kept us afloat during these uncertain times. So we do want to mention that, and...
1: We got a really great show today. Joining us, we have Dave Temple, one of my favorites on the comedy scene. He's appeared on True TV's Laugh Tracks. He's hosts Temple University and Compound Media... And has Unpopular Opinions, which is a live show and, uh, and also a web show. I've done the live show. It's a lot of fun. He does that with Conrad Roth here in New York City. We also have Keith Price, who's actually the first out African-American personality on SiriusXM Radio. I've done John sang show with him. He's great. Uh, you could check him out on KeithPriceComic.com. He's been on iHeartRadio, Spotify, iTunes, all sorts of stuff. Um, And then thirdly, we have Monica Cruz, who is the co-host and producer for Breakthrough News, which is a grassroots media outlet. BT is dedicated to uplifting the struggles of working and oppressed peoples around the world, as well as cover stories and perspectives that we don't hear in the corporate-dominated mainstream press. Monica is also an organizer with the Justice Center and El Barrio and the ANSWER Coalition. ANSWER stands for Act Now to Stop War and End Racism. I'm down with that. Well, we have a really great conversation, all sorts of uh, perspectives thrown out there. And I think you're going to really enjoy this episode. So, without further ado, episode four of the But Why Though, a comedy, uh, philosophy themed comedy podcast.
2: <laughs> whoop, whoop.
1: <laughs> See ya.
0: Okay, so the first philosopher we're going to be talking about is Haslanger. She's a feminist philosopher. And what she does pretty much is she deconstructs gender and race. And she looks at what we want these concepts to mean for us and what we want them to do for us. And um, the first question that comes up is, is, is gender a social construct? So I wanted to see how everyone felt about that. What do you think, Josh?
1: Well, it depends. Like, like an old-school person, like, thinks of gender and, like, as something different. Like, I think of... Like, people... I feel like I just think of gender as either of a penis or a vagina. And there are two. But I know now, like, that there are, like, 23 of them out there. And I'm, I'm not trying to say... I'm, I'm just, I just... I just say let people live. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not gonna... I don't know what... I don't even... I don't think gender is a social construct, now, but that could be because I'm just, I just have different, like, definitions of what gender is, and I, I accept that, so I'm not, like, mad if you do.
0: Mm-hmm. What's, what's your take on it, Dave? Um,
3: all right, so I would just want to give off two clarifications up front. Uh, one, I'm a math major, like, I'm a mathematician, so <laughs> for me, things are very <laughs> black and white. Things are very linear, so that understanding that that's where my background and my opinions will come from. So, for me to look at something like a social construct, I look at the definition of that as far as is this something that we are laid out? Is it being changed or shaped by human interaction? And based off of that definition, I have to say no. We we put out a definition of the genders, um, and I feel more so the change is the social construct. Once we start to add multiple genders, we're changing an additional, we're changing an existing definition with new human interaction. So male, female, I don't think that was a uh, social construct. I think the newer things that are coming
4: out are. Mm -hmm. Mm
0: Okay. And Keith?
4: Oh Well, I, I kind of agree with you in that I, I feel that certain parts of this is that the, the gender identity stuff was already here. It's just, it, it's just people are now deciding how they are going to approach it. And what's happened is, is that we are now in this frame of mind where individually we get to do whatever we want and feel whoever we want to feel. And so now people are, you know, gender expression is to some folks, either you're a male or either you're a female and in actuality, gender should just be as fluid as that. You can be whoever you want to be. If I want to be a man wearing a dress like Billy Porter, but his, I gotta admit his, his drag is kind of fierce, but if I'm going to, you know, I don't think I could afford the gowns, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) So that you make that statement, your statement is fierce, you know, but in the end, if that's, the statement that I choose to make, I should feel free to be able to do that. And mm-hmm. if that bothers anybody else, that's on them, you know. And I feel like, in terms of it being a social construct, it's only when people decide that they're going to pipe in about your business that it becomes a, something that has to be constructed or deconstructed.
2: Yeah, yeah. That
1: that's, a good, that's a good point, uh-huh.
0: Monica.
2: I would say, on any conversation on like what is gender and all of this, I mean, I, we have to recognize that there's a difference between gender and sex. Sex is biological, um, you know, and uh, and gender is really it is a social contract. It's how you it's how you express who you are. It's how we've been conditioned to think is gender is how you express your sex. So if you were born with a vagina and what is it X and Y chromosomes? Mm. And women, I forget. Um, you know so right. that means uh, <laughs> X and X. So that means you know that means before before you were even born, you're assigned pink. You know, you're given a feminine name and all of these expectations are put on you, right? Um, And we understand that's vice versa um, for, you know, anyone who is assigned, you know, the sex of male at birth. But, um, you know, we don't talk about the fact that I think it's about 3% of our population is intersex and is born with genitalia. That cannot be um, defined as, um, because uh, all, if we actually really want to talk about the biology of this shit, the science of this, I mean, like, all embryos technically start as female embryos and the Sorry. penis develops out of the clitoris, right? Like the, oh. the ball sac develops. Out, I don't know how to oh. say that. Cessicles, whatever the fuck. Um, mm. I curse, right? I curse a lot. Um, you know, that, that, um, comes out of like what would be the labia, right? So all these things, so that there is a difference between, between sex and gender. And I think we need to start there and put, and treating them as if they're the same thing is incorrect. And that's what our, you know, heteronormative, cisnormative society puts on us. The idea of gender, I mean, this is something that um, Indigenous peoples and you know people all around the world for millennia have been practicing. There's the idea of two spirit in you know Native American tradition, um, uh, there, and all over the world there's all different kinds of names for it. I know in India they have a particular word for it. All over Latin America they have particular words for it of someone who who uh, was outside of that binary. And someone who expressed both feminine, what we would call feminine and masculine traits in the way that they present themselves. So I think it very much is um, a social construct in a way. But as someone, I'm a Marxist, um, and I believe uh, in, um, and that this is the framework that I come out of. And, you know, Marx and Engels wrote together, and Engels wrote The Family, State, and Society. And he describes how... Um, gender roles and you know the i really the idea of gender like what is a woman what is a man and uh, these very specific and then the subjugation what he called the historical defeat of women came about when we started to have societies in which there was um there was class it, and classes and in which there was um an emphasis on profit right because before that um everyone lived communally everyone kind of shared responsibilities but as things started to become more rigid and um as humanity began to really develop civilization, these roles became very rigid, and, and then women became subjugated, uh, right? And we, and we began, you know, the establishment of patriarchy. So I think, um, yeah, we can't, we can't have a conversation on this without understanding the difference between gender and sex and understanding that they are not binary. And, um, yeah, and and just as I explained that very specifically for sex, gender is very much the same way. There are non-binary people. There are trans people who experience gender um, dysphoria where literally, like, they look in the mirror and they're like, my body does not match who I feel like I am. And, I mean, that's real, like, and that's okay, Um, you know. So, yeah, I I think we have to really establish that difference first. Mm -hmm. And that's my whole TED talk. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I was just thinking, though. You know,
4: for someone like me, who is you know a gay man of a certain age, there is there is a level of understanding that I have that comes naturally with the whole concept. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And then there's other things that even still, to me, as long as I have been alive and been gay, that I still don't understand. And I own that there's a lot of things about the trans identity aspect of life that I don't get. But what I do know that I'm smart enough to remember is that ain't my journey. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And if that's your journey, then God bless you. You keep doing stepping how you got to step. I'm not going to stop you from living your life, which is really the ultimate point of that. It's like if that's how you feel comfortable expressing yourself, then that's that's on you. But, right. you know, for me, you know, the idea of, of, of identity in terms of like, you know, gender It's like there's a whole thing even within the gay community about you being masculine or a feminine, and, you know, uh, if you're a top uh, or a bottom and all those uh, things that are assigned to that. Uh, and what people don't understand is, is that people like what they like, people do what they do, and it doesn't change who they are. And so you know, it's like it's trying to get people to understand that even if, you know, Johnny wants to wear a dress or, you know, Sasha wants to just constantly wear nothing but overalls and carry a tool belt, that's all on them. And, you know, and the way that we have to, like, for ourselves as people, is that we have to not allow, care about that. We don't need to be worrying about how that child is expressing themselves because, A, it's not our child, first and foremost. Mm-hmm. And if it is our child, then the whole thing you need to do is like, well, if that's what he wants to do, then you know what? That's what he wants to do. It's like, does it mean he might get beaten up every day coming home from school? Then you're going to have to put him in karate class. That's, you know, and, mm-hmm. and and work from that place so that you can learn to protect Whatever gender expression you want to have, you'll right. be able to have that. You know, I'm just, but I'm old school, so that's <laughs> <it's> like <laughs> the, you kids today with all the identities and the fluidity, and I, can't, <laughs> I can't keep up. Wait, so but, I, but at the same time, do you kids? Because that's that's what's happening next, and I'm not going to stand in front of what's happening next because I can put on my house music and shake my ass in my house every day. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like I don't need yeah. live and let
1: live, love. you know.
4: You know, I don't have to have my identity or my expression, you know, um, expressed that way out in public. I can sit in my house and do it, and that's fine with me. Right, that's what we're all kind of doing now. So there you go. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Wait, three percent of people who are born outside the, the binary are those just like hermaphrodites, or born with both? Basically, when you when you were saying well, it's that? not necessarily. It's not.
2: It's not necessarily both. Um, It is just something that cannot be defined within the binary construct of what genitalia is. Like, our construct of what genitalia is is someone, to be a woman, needs to have a vulva, a uterus, a vagina. Mm -hmm. Someone who is a man needs to have a penis, testicles, and whatever those things are inside you all that, like, makes the sperm or whatever the fuck. Um, (laughs) That's That's our scrotum. (laughs) <laughs> those yeah, are it's it's, <laughs> our version of your uterus <laughs> i like, I'm gay, so i don't play around with a lot of those but um yeah. So, uh, yeah so basically yeah that 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 is valid i actually have and it's really actually sick what happens to a lot of intersex babies who are born because right. there's a lot of surgeries that are forcibly performed yeah i've heard that um, that's what i figured And I have friends who are intersex, and, you know, um, one particular friend of mine, you know, like, thank God her her parents decided not to do anything um, to her genitalia, but it's just like it was something that she, you know, shumpered her whole life with, feeling like a fucking weirdo, and, you know, feeling like there was something wrong with her, and, you know, like, that there was something, like, inhuman or something about her, and it's like, nah, like, actually millions of people are born like this, like, Mm -hmm. it is completely naturally normal so the very idea of you know the scientific idea that there is a binary in sex is completely incorrect and I mean again these are ideas that are um you know when these are scientists and you know all of us we have to understand the kind of society that we live in we understand it's mostly black people on this call oh we live in a white supremacist ass society we live in a homophobic ass society all these things oh, so it's like okay. of course all of our are all of our institutions all of our science everything that we're learning in school is going to be in accordance to um you know this this idea this ideology you know that we need to fall in line so um you know, I think uh, discovering radical politics is what really changed me because I, I, I knew I was queer since I was very young. And I was always uh, very curious about the LGBTQ question and all these issues going to our community. So I remember that was one thing that I was always fascinated by, you know, even as a, as a young kid. So I feel lucky that I've been able to be able to be this, re- do this research to be able to have access to this kind of education to be able to, you know, be in, in spaces and in community with people who like know their shit and have these experiences. Um, because not everyone has that, and I mean, I think, um, the, the gender roles that are forced on people are incredibly dangerous i mean do we need to talk about what women have to experience the incredible rates of domestic violence how women you know are more likely to be killed by a partner or you know and the incredible sexual assault rate that we experience of um, all of these things let uh, the low pay in the workplace all of these things and we understand that also patriarchy don't be doing men. Um, All the favors either because what is men men have to be masculine men have to be unemotional you can't cry boys don't cry I mean that's inhumane we're humans we all cry we all have feelings Um, You know we are not men are not inherently meant to be violent and tough and all of these things and that's what's so forced You know on men in our society and I think that's very harmful too Um, so yeah, I think it's understanding that, um, the binary doesn't exist and it shouldn't exist. Um, and it actually historically speaking, we're only like, if we look at the timeline of humanity, we're like in a tiny speck of time where we actually view gender like this because it's been proven for millennia that there were more than two that in most societies that there were more options than this, this and this. And not to say that they didn't, you know, believe in like, okay, more feminine, more masculine energy, but there was always an understanding that people could be a mix of both.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also that's what Haslanger tries to do in her, in her paper as well, explaining how gender can't be bi- um, binary. And also she talks about intersectionality, how it's different for someone to be, say, for example, um a woman and brown at the same time, then that's different than just being a woman, because if you're a white woman, for example, then that's a whole different type of situation that you live. So, she also talks about that. How Can we, was, we
1: all agree that white women have it better than black men? <laughs> 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 just I don't
2: <all>. <laughs> like to play on the identity stuff. I don't yeah. like <laughs>
1: i'm just crazy i say whatever i understand
2: that i don't i I think it depends what kind of white women because i mean i don't know if we're gonna compare like a rich-ass black man like to uh a poor white woman who grew up in a really poor area who didn't have shit her whole life i mean i'm sorry i'm not gonna say that some rich-ass uh black man who grew up in a gated community has doesn't have more privilege than someone who was born in the gutter. At the end of the day, I feel like yes, of course, we live in a white supremacist society. Here, we live in a, yeah. No, let me let me. If you
1: but if, if that girl born in the gutter, that girl born in the gutter, like is uh, walking around like clean and with with decent looking clothes on, like she's way le- less likely to get killed by a cop than even the black dude in the gated community.
3: Well, I just want I to disagree with that. Yeah. I just want to play devil's advocate here. You guys also, um, like I feel like privilege, like everything is balanced. So the amount of privilege that we perceive on someone also comes with the equal amount of pain. Even though we don't necessarily see that or can't relate to the pain because we're only focused on the privilege. But like for everything, even if we look at someone who is in what we deem a disenfranchised or low income neighborhood, you can look now during the pandemic. Who is having the most fun during the pandemic? People mm. in the worst neighborhoods. They're outside, they're partying, they're having a good time because they're not concerned. This is rich people who are all boarded away and secured up. They are home in their panic rooms, frightened. They're not having a good time, even with all of that privilege that they have. So. It's kind of a weird mental balance where you know we perceive certain things in life to be like, oh, well, this person has a privilege, but we're not, we're not paying attention to any of the pain or turmoil that they're going
2: through in that aspect. I'm sorry, but black people are dying at incredible rates in the hood. Like, our people mm-hmm. are dying and they're being forced to go into work. I don't think it's all happy and good in the hood right now. No, I'm and not I saying that. think a lot at of all. these. People who are privileged enough, and I, and I trust me, I don't like this whole privilege politic, too. I, it, it gets a little dicey, and, and it, it's it, I don't think it's useful for the most part. But I mean, people who do have the luxury of being able to stay home and work from home, I mean, I'm sorry, yeah, they might be freaking out a little, but they're not in actual danger, and that's not valid. And <laughs> like, <laughs> like, just because someone has a feeling, I'm sorry, not all feelings are valid. Sorry, (laughs) like, but no.
3: And that's a good, I'm I'm glad you made that statement because how do we determine which feelings are valid or not?
2: I think we look at material conditions. I think we look at the fact that we are human beings who are made out of cells and who need food, who need shelter, who need water, who need basic things. And I think when we're talking about privilege and access and all of these things, we have to acknowledge what people actually physically have access to. So yeah, like I think we we can uh, I think a lot of like this postmodern type, like it's all about the individual and identity. All of our experiences are separate. It's all about like what you are feeling in this particular moment. I think is incredibly incredibly reactionary and um, and um, damaging to so this understanding of the world that we actually live in. Um, we live in a material world. We need material things to survive, and um, it doesn't matter. I, I'm not saying it's not that it, uh, we understand white supremacy means that white people get paid more, that white people have more access to uh, to education and to a better standard of living, right? But we also understand that again, there are contradictions. Like at the end of the day, it is what you have access to. So yeah, that's the contradiction that causes you know poor ass white people. That's the contradiction that causes um, you know there's all these things that I need to stop talking. But yeah, <laughs> I, I think we have to. Have
4: so. To be in mind, so. The the only thing I'd like to say about the concept of privilege is that what we're witnessing right now is people who are afraid to lose their privilege. That's what, you know, this whole thing about, excuse me, with these uh, militiamen, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, if they think that they're that— Like they're protesting for their their privilege of not being able to to not have to stay home to not being told what to do. One of the things that I find very fascinating though is that when you look at people of color in comparison to that, because you know, there are a few of us in that that thickness, you know what I'm saying? And I I still don't understand it, but I don't I don't judge it because everybody's on their own journey. Yes. However, when you think about the overall picture, it's like most people of color are very used to not having. Most people of color are very used to having a struggle. Most people of color, you know, families got two, three, four, five, six jobs. The only people that are complaining that much about this and having to live like that now, if you notice, are white folks. Uh Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They are very upset that they have to now fight for food at the Trader Joe's Uh because they, they don't come from that. They have to now get out in the mix and wonder if they're going to have you know, health insurance and stuff like that. Because sure. now there's 30 million people out there now unemployed without a J-O-B and no prospects of possibly even finding one for months to come because we don't know how this thing is going to work out. But <laughs> on the other side of that is at least we know how to handle the struggle. Yes. That's why we ain't freaking out freaking out. I mean, we're and freaking out. Why- I look forward
3: to seeing how many people who know how to manage the struggle will actually thrive in this uh, Yeah, that's, that's a good point. That you will see a change. You will see more colored folks who have uh, studied the right ways and, and the ways to behave in this and know how to manage a struggle will figure out how to level up properly. And you will see other people that have come from a place of privilege who do not know how to take care of themselves it will reset and you will see that. And that that kind of has happened throughout time and history. You know, when you look at, I've recently just read a book, uh, Guns, Germs, and Steel. So a lot of these ideas aren't mine originally, but they show how different societies have always rise and fallen. And it's usually due to some sort of pandemic like this that takes out a huge population and puts us in a huge depression. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and... So another another thing that comes up during Haslinger's philosophy during in her writing is that if if we use self identification with gender, then why can't we do that with race? And then in class, for example, we talked about Rachel Doleza and that whole scandal. <laughs> and um, what Haslinger is saying, the philosopher, is that she believes that we can be in a society without the concept of race she doesn't believe in color blindness but she believes that eventually we could get rid of race somehow and why can't people self-identify she doesn't say this but this is a question that came up why can't people (laughs) self-identify um with race why can't they just decide like Rachel Dolezal um you guys know about her right
1: (laughs) basically why why is Rachel Dolezal wrong but but you could do it with gender is what she's saying?
0: Something like that. Well, I just yeah. wanted to ask that.
1: Well, I don't know. I think that, uh, even with Rachel Dolzell, like, I think she was a little bit overblown. Like I understand um, I understand cultural appropriation and that whole argument. But ha- have y'all, I mean, I don't know if you guys have met this, but like I, I had a friend like in in college who was like kind of like Rachel Dolzell. She was like a Italian white girl. And she wasn't, like, just trying to be black. Like, she wasn't, like, an average wig. She, like, lived the lifestyle. She, like, only dated black dudes. She, like, uh she's only into black culture. I, I've even seen her, like, get, like, yelled at by white people. Like, they're, like, what, you trying to be black? And, like, harassing her. Like, she's black. <laughs> like, she's, like, if you're living in the struggle. And, you know, Rachel Dolezal got that shit, too. Like, I, I mean, I'm just yeah. saying, it, it doesn't seem like she's, like, I think it's one thing if you're, if you're hopping out of being black, like when shit gets tough and you're like, like an Iggy Azalea and you're like a white girl again. But like, I don't understand why, uh, like you can't be transracial because people are like mentally like that. They just identify with a different culture because maybe they, that's who accepted them when they were rejected from their own or something like that. or
4: it's a past life that they're living again.
1: Yeah. So,
4: what, what,
2: Identifying as, as with, a different, with a culture that's different from yours or liking a culture or enjoying a culture that's different from what you were raised in is completely different than waking up one day as a white person and saying, I am now black. Like, mm-hmm. that's not how it works. We don't get to choose to be black. And it is society who actually, actually creates uh, the construct of this. Like, I always say when it comes to black folks, like, we wasn't out here getting called black and nigger until motherfuckers came to the shores of our homeland and That's said totally you're black and now be and and now we're gonna use you as slaves and i think um it's really interesting um this history um of actually slavery in the u.s um we don't really care about the fact that in the united states actually some of the first it wasn't actually chattel slavery as we know it today um, as, as we recognize slavery today, but there were um, indentured servants who were treated disgusting, who were not paid, who were abused, sexually abused, rape, whatever, who were white, who were Irish, um, who, who were in the States, right? Well, I would not call them slaves, but that was the situation. Mm-hmm. And that's where it began. And then when the modern day slave trade started and they started to bring over black folks. They actually lived in very similar conditions to the white folks. They were all treated the same. And that's when actually some of the first like mulatto or whatever mixed race people in the States actually came about and they started to have solidarity with each other. And they started to realize, hey, um, we all getting treated like shit by this rich white man. So we actually have more to gain by fighting together. And what did the rich white man do? Oh, no, we can't be having that. So what we need to do is convince these white people that they're, even though we treat them essentially the same, we need to convince them that they are better than these black folks. So what we're going to do is give them some small concessions, mm-hmm. then start treating black people even worse than them We're already treating them. Now we're going to subjugate them to chattel slavery. And the actual terror campaign. I really want. I really hope that people uh, research this, which is really fascinating. This is like in the 1600s in the United States when the colonies were beginning, and uh, they they literally went on a terror campaign, killing. Any white or black person who were seen together, you could not talk to each other. They literally, and, and I think it was um, one of these early settlements like Jamestown. Don't quote me exactly it was Jamestown, but it was one of these early settlements, right, in the title of as we come to know it in popular culture, whatever the fuck. They literally would put the heads of the black and white workers on posts like lining up to where the settlement was going to be to show every fucking indentured servant and every black slave going in there. Y'all better know your places. Y'all are not friends. And this is why white supremacy exists in the way that it can, because poor white people believe that they have more in common with rich white people than with other uh, black and brown and people of oppressed identities who are also poor, right? They believe that somehow if they just continue to perpetuate whiteness, and that gives them a sense of pride, because, oh, look at what I have in common with the oppressor. Look at what I have in common with the wealthy person, Right. So that's really where we see today so I think we really need to understand that history and I really do believe that race um it's a social construct because if we actually look at the DNA of humans it is 99% the same obviously we have our own features genetics you know different things you see you see certain features in certain areas of the world all of that you know that is the beautiful all the flavors of being a human being just if we look at any other species they have different colors on them they have different sort of features different textures whatever the hell. so i think we really need to understand that and i think this is different because when we're taught again this is a difference between sex and gender gender is how someone feels they will present themselves it is how they want to express themselves it is the roles that they want to play according to what society has deemed gender is right i mean at the end of the day no a black person cannot wake up and choose hey i don't want to be black Are you kidding me? Only Sammy Sosa could do that. You're going to see your ass and you're going to be a nigga. It doesn't matter. It don't matter. Mm -hmm. And for some white people who want to listen to hip hop and want to, you know, and like black culture, I mean, like, I I don't really, I don't give a fuck. I think white people can participate in in hip hop. You know, of course, there's there's a sense. I do still believe in cultural appropriation. All- but I'm is is, be is be Rachel Edward? Dolezal
1: going against that grain of of like separating the poor whites from the poor blacks?
2: She's mentally ill. No, she's not. That's not <laughs> what we're talking about. That's not what we're talking
4: about. Only <laughs> <laughs> is, is mentally ill. That is, uh, <laughs> I, but don't you think though, like in the case of Rachel Dolezal, what she's proven is, and it goes back to uh, like that thing. It's like if you can just look a certain way. But just to have a certain kind of edge, you could pass. And the thing is, is that you pass until somebody either outs you or you out yourself. And for her, she got outed by her own family because her white family was like, "What was that? They, why is her skin so dark?" You know what I'm <laughs> saying? Like they they went after her. And 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 the sad part is, is that she could have gone on for I don't know how long had no one said anything. And Correct. We We'd have gone to an Essence event or something, and she'd have been there. We'd be like, hey, Rachel, how are you doing? And she'd be uh-huh. high-fiving us and and snapping and going on. And we wouldn't think twice about it. But and then now the that we're like, this is some me. white girl trying to act like this, we have an issue with it. And the yeah. bottom line is, you can appropriate all the culture you want. You can try to be whoever it is that you want to be. But at the end of the day, when shit goes down, you know what I'm saying, an official whatever's have to jump in, don't play like you're not going to play the white card. You know, exactly. Do you think
1: Rachel Dolezal would play the white card?
4: I would play the white
2: card if I had it. That was my tears she was crying on national television. What?
1: I just saw the, the Netflix special. On the Netflix special, she seemed like, I don't know, She just I, I felt like she seemed like ride or die, like she thinks she's black and she just wants to go out of her way to prove it. And, like, that's just how she identifies. I don't understand the difference between that and, like, identifying as a different gender. I mean, I, I think you should just let, let people live. Like, it's one thing Iggy Azalea is trying to be, like, the number one rapper and, like, trying to take that. and But then she'll turn around and say something disrespectful about, like, KRS-One or some shit. Like, that's I think that's, like, a different thing. Like, I think that's, like, cultural appropriation. But, like, Rachel Dolezal is someone who's crazy. going down with the NAACP. <laughs> like, it's not like she was taking black roles in Hollywood. She was working at the NAACP trying to, like, fight for black rights. Like, I don't know. They're, they're just-
2: the NAACP is a bunch of coons. I don't give a fuck
1: about that. You know, a Jewish person started it, the NAACP. It was- I
2: don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck what any white person does. black? You are dyeing your hair. You're purposely putting in hair that is not your. You're dyeing your skin. All of that stuff. Like, that's not. And no, I'm sorry. It's not the same as being trans. No, it's not. Body dysmorphia is a real, actually, like, that is a scientific, that is a proven thing. Like, my little brother is trans. Like, it's no. It's but not how the long same ago is that bro. proven? Like, it's not the same. Well, How, it, it's like, it's, you
1: know, it's it's a it's 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 something that's new though, and who knows if if this is something. No, but that it's will not
2: new. Just like I explained, but it's not. new.
1: Yeah, I know. I know. I mean, I'm just saying. Well, I'm gender, just saying the well, the psychological now. term. The I mean, the dysmorphia term, and like putting it into that umbrella is new, right? So in the last ten or fifteen years,
4: it's been. I'm sure that it's been discussed before, but like in the last 10 or 15
1: years. I'm not saying it's it's wrong or anything. I'm just saying. the
4: actual waves people are talking, talking. I'm sure that the idea or the concept was around, but nobody knew where and when they could like put what platform that they could get it on to be able to have that kind of conversation. But I'm sure it's been going on forever. Yeah. With body
3: dysmorphia?
4: Yeah. Well, Mm -hmm. body dysmorphia and also with the, like the, the idea that you're not. You're, you don't feel like who you are. Like, that's what's right. going
2: on for You know? It's, it's, just for, it's body dysphoria, by the way. Dysphoria. That is what trans people experience. Body dysmorphia is generally having a warped idea of what your body is. It's like a very skinny person thinking that they're fat. Ah, uh, okay, okay.
1: What about okay. a very white yeah, person thinking that they're two black? Ones. I don't yeah, understand I mean, so why everyone, the color someone is something skin so different than, like, every bad. other attribute okay. of your body. That doesn't uh, okay. mean, Yeah,
2: but, you can that's
3: a that's a unknown a, a that's actually like, like considered right. body other is, words, a disorder uh, yeah they, they label that one as a with see it so give me the different the difference of one more time is body dysmorphia what's the other one
2: dysphoria and dysphoria. that's what trans okay. people experience where who they know themselves to be like mm-hmm. i have someone in my life who is trans who i was talking to and he was just like he was two years old and he's talking to his mom and he's like mommy why don't i have a penis and she's like, "Why don't you think you have a penis? Like, why why do you think you're supposed to have a penis?" And he's just like, "I'm a boy," and he's like two years old saying this. Like, where like kids kids still have an idea of what their identity is to an extent, you know? So it's like, where does this? come I disagree from? Like, with that. A when I was two year old child,
1: when I was like five, I would try in my mom's dresses. I'm not even gay now,
2: <laughs> but that's a different experience. <laughs> How you're comparing that? To, like,
1: I'm just I'm, saying. I, I'm no. I don't mean I'm to be no, offensive. I'm, I'm just. I just. But, ha, I just. I feel like I'd be unreal to not say. It, to not say it. Just so I could. Uh, I just want to hear what you. What you have to. What an educated person has to say. Yeah. Okay? Where she go? Did she go? She. She said she was taking her video off because she
4: was walking through something.
2: Uh, like okay. That. Okay. So I head over to the
4: bathroom. <laughs> One second. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. but but you putting on a dress as a child isn't
1: necessarily the indicator if you're like um, it depends on your environment I think though like because like it was because I was probably living with a single mother and I was just like in like a railroad apartment with her and I thought it was cool but I think that it's like a big mistake that when like kids like who knows maybe that two-year-old just identified with someone that they really love that was like a man and then now in this society once they say like a couple those key phrases like people then are pushing them kind of to to start to accept themselves as something different and pushing yeah. them into a but lifestyle I, yeah, that's fascinating. Of, of pain. But I know
3: thing I... where if my daughter put on my boots and parades around the house in it, you know, her mom would immediately take a picture. Look at look at her. She's trying to be in your boots. There's no like there mm-hmm. would not even be any question of a little girl putting on her dad's boots and it's oh yeah, she just admires her dad. But it's looked at the other way if a boy puts on his mom's pumps. Mm -hmm. especially if they're labor tans and
4: that's misogyny and that
0: is misogyny and that is yeah anything deemed feminine
2: is deemed less and
0: deemed
2: bad. there's something wrong
0: yeah so yeah yeah
1: all right i guess it's it's kind of and you want to hear something kind of crazy i just thought about like it's kind of like that with like racially like when when like michael jackson or sammy sosa like become white, like you don't hear it as much as when like a white person is trying to be black.
2: That's because they hate themselves. That's because society (laughs) teaches black people to hate ourselves. We're taught that black is ugly. We're taught that anything black is bad. So we've been told this our entire lives. That's why people use skin bleaching. That is why someone like Michael Jackson is going to get surgery on his nose. So it doesn't look black because he has been taught his whole life that there's something wrong with being black. Mm-hmm. That is
3: where yeah. So we're just, I, I'm, I'm just, when, and also I want you to know when I ask a question, I'm never challenging. I'm lear- I'm asking for understanding. Yes. Yeah, same, yeah. same here. of course. Where does the, um, where do you think that influence comes, where do you suspect influence comes from for us to feel that uh, black is bad or um, black, like, you know, that, that white is supreme?
2: I think it's integrated into every single fabric and fiber of our society. I mean, have you heard of like the doll experiments of the 60s where they would show little black and white children a picture of a white doll and a picture of a black doll? Where do people get these ideas? People aren't born racist. It's society. And that's what I'm
3: saying. Like, so we all, we're all, you know, are we all black here or at least minority?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm Mexican.
2: I'm Mexican.
4: (laughs) Latino, because well, my, I'm, my parents were from Honduras, but I was born here. So I have, like, a whole yeah, map. on Buriana. I see. I, grew up, I grew up in southwest Philadelphia, so it was all
3: black. Um, so any of my influence or thoughts on black people, I feel like it didn't necessarily come from white people because white people didn't have access to me and my mm. zip code. Mm-hmm. So who controlled what I was watching and what I was consuming? Black people, my family, my, my circle of influence and my zip code. So as we've heard these messages of kind of controlling what we are feeding our youth, not just food wise, but everything that they're consuming. So how is it that an outside influence is still getting into our nest to have our children absorb these things and have these thoughts going into their adulthood? It's protection. I that's think, what it is. I think a lot it's of it protected. is
1: through media and like uh and, like and again about like what, what do you watch on that TV. Consume,
3: that's usually by choice. Why are we consuming these toxic medias and things? And because we do have people in our communities spreading that message. Do not consume the white man's media. Do not consume the white man's literature. Do not consume the white man's way of thinking. Do not consume the white man's religion. But we all still consume it. And when the programming is malfunctioning in us we look to the white man and go this is your fucking fault
4: hmm. well I, 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 being of, being I of mean, a certain age I feel, like, well, I feel like being of a certain age in this mix of people that I'm I'm with because I feel like I, I have a little age on all of you <laughs> what has happened is is that growing up in this country because I grew up in Texas so growing up in Texas being black possibly gay because I didn't know until later on and and also being kind of a smart kid put me at a very weird disadvantage amongst other black kids that I'm living around and dealing with yeah but at the same time when I showed up at church on Sunday we got the lessons which were you need to learn how to handle yourself when you're out there you don't because the thing is is that what what my I was taught growing up is that there are elements that are already out to get you correct and there are elements mm-hmm. that will get you if you are not paying attention to certain signs, certain things, and it was more of a warning. The distrust that we had with white people as far as for me growing up in Texas is because they are dangerous when they are able to do and say whatever they can and do. And mm-hmm. so, so we were taught very young growing up in Texas. This is We're talking living in the 70s in Texas, that you can't just say and do what you want to do because if you do – this is what a, this is a possibility of what will happen to you, and here is a history of showing how it has already happened. So you decide. You have to learn that this is how you kind of learn very early to maneuver yourself through the world of white people, because we all know how to put our customer service voice on when we need to. Am I correct? That
2: cold switching, yes, sir. Yeah. Uh-huh. We, we
4: got we we know when it's time, just like I know when it's time to be black ethnic versus black gay. You know what Correct. I'm saying? Like, there's a difference between those two too. And so, yes. even for me to navigate through those particular things, I had to learn how to. I had to learn who I was first, and then be able to apply those lessons. And what happens is, we get bombarded with those lessons very early when we don't have anything to compare them against, and that comes the truth. But then, yes. as we move yes. through the planet, you kind of see that you know, even in New York City, things are different for white people and black people here. Not like they are in Texas. Oh, you know, you can't get away with some of the shit that people yeah. I see white folks doing here, you, I mean, doing in Texas. They could never get away doing that stuff here in New York because they will get mm-hmm. cut like that. Whereas there, there's a lot of freedom to do what they're doing, and that's why they do it. And what has to happen is now we have to not only teach our kids that that's a part of the conversation for you as young black people growing up in this country to understand that level, but also know that you have every right to be anywhere you want to be if that's what you choose to do. And correct if you, do it, if you do it then try to do it without fears and try to and, and hopefully there's a support system behind you that's going to be like right there for you if it works there's going to be right there for you if it doesn't work you know what i'm right. saying that's all one that
3: thing i do want to touch on. what you said that which i think is fascinating is that we all do learn how to conform and fit in but the people who have throughout history ever made the biggest impact on leveling Uh, the playing field or at least bringing it close to having an adjustment were the people who were unapologetically them. They did not conform. They spoke in their natural voice and they did it loud and proud and they were a pioneer. And just like any other pioneer, when you go over that hill first, you're going to catch a lot of arrows in your back. Everyone who has ever been unapologetically them and died behind what they said or how they wanted to express themselves, they encourage everyone else. Yeah, fuck that. Why are we conforming? We should have been ourselves unapologetically to begin begin with. And that I, like is the message that we kind of have to get back to. You know, we you see it over and over again where the person who's unlike like uh, Cardi B is someone I don't necessarily like the way that she speaks, but you see more white people emulating her. Mm-hmm. He's grown on me can, too. You can dislike <laughs> a flamboyant gay man. Everyone imitates a flamboyant gay man. You know what I mean? Not Every everyone, white woman on the oh. flat. Right. Exactly. And it's because you were unapologetically, you know, yourself, and once you shine and pierce through, people have to emulate that, and that
4: becomes the new norm. See like well for me with comedy when I started doing comedy like twenty-five years ago, let's say back I first moved to New York twenty-five years ago. I started doing it in Texas and I was being very cautious about once I had come out to myself and a few friends of mine of how I wanted to present myself on stage. And mm-hmm. I knew at that particular time in the nineties, if you were a black man and you got on stage, you have to be a black man. You can't yeah. be a
2: yeah
4: you can be kind of nerdy if you want, but that was about as far as you were allowed to go outside that. Stereotype.
1: I kind of feel like it's still <laughs> almost like that that like today. Like I feel yeah. like I feel there are only two archetypes for black comedians, and that's like that Def Jam like loud like kind of thing, or now the chill hipster who just talks very lightly yeah. and has like these wow. new ideas that are like with the liberal white people. Yet that agrees with everything that the <laughs> but, liberal again, white a, people do. But again, that yeah. guy, <laughs> that
3: guy, Josh, is going for mass consumption he's right. conforming so that the masses can consume him as opposed to being unapologetically who they really are right. and people either have to get on board and, you know i mean i am mean, not like saying patrice that guy Adil. is even patrice bad did not, patrice did not do the hipster thing and he was not uh, a typical black comic and as a result in his death He's a bigger comic than he ever was. And you have more people trying to emulate but, that voice. But before never. his death, before
1: that, his death, work, he didn't get to live in it at all. You know, like before his death, it, it, the guy from Workaholic shit on him that on the red carpet, the you know? Yeah.
2: I'm so sorry, folks. Just to interrupt, I actually have to run and get ready for um, a May Day protest where we're going to be uh, doing a banner drop uptown in Harlem to demand cancel the rents nationwide. Um, but I appreciate it talking to y'all. Sorry, I be getting in my feelings. I be getting know um, oh, No, you're reason, good. So, um, okay. <laughs> I can't. I, I'm very loud and I and I care about what the fuck I do, but also, um, yeah, I give a fuck um, regardless of all that. But uh, a couple of readings I definitely really suggest, and people like really want to like understand like more of what I'm talking about, where I'm coming from. Leslie Feinberg, um, a really awesome Marxist um, trans lesbian writer who writes a lot of just mind blowing shit on gender and understanding this. Um, France Fanon. An incredible Black Caribbean um, revolutionary and writer who wrote um, *The Wretched of the Earth*. Um, white masks, black skins. I believe I have, I'm be missing a title. Franz Fanon. You will look him up. Um, incredible writer talking about uh, who talks about colonization, who talks about white supremacy, how it impacts Black people, how it impacts our understanding of ourselves, how it impacts our culture all of that great stuff, um, and Frederick Engels, really throwback from the 1800s, this old German dude, talking about uh, the origins of the family and state, um, and talking about how our ideas of, like, a nuclear family, and our ideas of, like, the gender binary really came about, so definitely recommend all of that if y'all are interested, um, it's really important shit, um, cool. but I really, I really appreciate y'all inviting me to join in and talk my shit today. Um, so. <laughs> yeah, no problem, actually, we
1: are, we are running out of time, so, like, so this is perfect. We could all go around if you want, also, and plug whatever you want to plug, and then, uh, and then, yeah, we I guess we could sign off. <laughs> I'll take
2: over. Um, if you're trying to get some news um, that is rooted in struggle, that is rooted in the stories that you're not going to hear on CNN, you're not going to hear on MSNBC, you're not going to hear on Fox, um, check out breakthroughnews.org um, and uh, BT Newsroom. We're doing live streams every Wednesday at 8, talking about everything going on with the pandemic and politics, the upcoming presidential elections, international news, all that good stuff. So um, make sure to check us out. Oh, Thank you. Bye. Cool.
3: Dave temple comedy.com is my website where you can find my first comedy album. The first one, uh, my next comedy album and special will be out in a few months. That one is titled Dave temple, the second one. Uh, and I have a book that I will be self-producing and hope to have out within the next few months influencer. Uh, it is a dark fantasy about social media the power that it does have on people and the, the role that I feel celebrities play in influencing the masses and how we behave and what we consume.
0: Mm.
4: Awesome. I, I feel so just keep price comic.com. I'm just doing <laughs> a podcast when I can. Uh, I do a lot of writing for um, a new media outlet called HeyJorge.com. H E Y X O R J E. Jorge. And uh there's a lot of opinion stuff that I've been putting out lately. And, you know, (laughs) I just can't wait to get back to on a stage to just hold the microphone and just go, (laughs) how are Because I I don't know when that's gonna happen. My plan was by this time I would have put up my third show at the duplex. My third. And Oh, is that where you produce shows at the duplex? At the duplex,
3: yeah. I used to go there for open mics when I first came to New York. On Wednesday nights? It was like an afternoon. Was Was it Chrissy Mayer's show? But it was stage time.
4: Huh?
1: I think, did Chrissy Mayer have a show there? Or is that something? Chrissy did have a show at
4: Stonewall. She had a show at Stonewall. Oh, okay. Chrissy Mayer does that. I think she did um, a
1: mic there also at the duplex. Am I wrong? Maybe I am wrong. Maybe I'm confusing Stonewall. Her big
4: one was at Stonewall.
1: I think she
3: did
4: have one. Yeah. Yeah, but it's great though, you know. Go that's like the only thing that I was doing for a while just to get some some time and get some things up up and out. But yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with comedy in the next few months because I mean, you know, we all could do our material from home.
2: Well, <laughs> like,
1: uh, well I don't I don't know about know. that. I I've done some of these. I'm doing these. I actually got passed at a club randomly, a virtual club online. It it'll, it'll be interesting, but I don't <laughs> feel like it's the same thing. Like I definitely just I, it just is a whole different feeling. I have to check my posture and all you that. You the crowd? Yeah, I mean, the crowd's there. Like, they laugh yeah. at me when I talk on the Zoom, but I just feel corny still, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like um,
0: I'm
4: telling a joke in a mirror. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah I just, it's I just feel weird. I,
1: I feel like my whole career, we all were, like, dissing improv nerds and YouTube comics, and now we all have to be YouTube comics, you know? <laughs>
3: Yeah, this is, well, you know what's fascinating about this? Because acting was somewhere where did I struggle. Any kind of skits or anything like that, I struggled because as a comic, you can break the fourth wall. The minute that you feel the crowd pulling away, you can mm-hmm. abandon the script and adjust and fix on your own, which is a very, very selfish way of performing, but that's what we yeah. get grown accustomed to. Yep. When it's this way, you have to really trust the people that you're on with. You have to really trust the writing and everything because... You don't get the immediate feedback, you get it later. And Mm -hmm. it could either be good, or it's going to be brutal. And Mm -hmm. you don't get that chance to take it back. And that's what we're, I think stand-up comics, we're a bit of a control freak, that we go on stage, one person in front of hundreds of people, no one talk, everyone listen to me, I'm gonna control the conversation for the hour. That person's a sociopath, you know what I mean?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh no! Uh
1: Don't tell her. (laughs)
4: Yeah, we're Um, used to that, you know, so. I don't know. I just, I I can't wait to start being much more active. Because, you know, I've taken a long break and then coming back. And coming back with a whole new wave of anger has been kind of fun. So, you know. Mm -hmm. This is, yeah. Ooh, well, we're really
1: written this place. <laughs> I feel like comics like us are leveling up right now, like with podcasts and doing all our like. It definitely has helped me jump to do a lot more content. I have a bunch of stuff planned yeah. out. I don't know. Anyway, you want to plug? And yourself? You have
3: to get used to doing this, putting this stuff out into the abyss.
1: Yeah. Yep. So, what why don't you plug your social media and everything you got going on, and then we'll wrap
2: it up.
0: Alright, so feel free to follow me at at Miss Nyancy. That's M-S-N-A-Y-A-N-C-I. And I'm on Instagram and Twitter. And you can follow our podcast as well at BTW Podcast. No,
1: BWT. Oh, BWT. BWT Podcast.
0: (laughs) BWT. And, of
1: course, I'm Josh Carter, your favorite biracial, half Italian, half black comedian. Uh, You can follow me at Gosh Carter, G-O-S-H-C-A-R-T-E-R. And, yeah, just subscribe to this podcast. Give us five stars, no matter... If you didn't agree with anything I said, even if I offended you, just give me five stars. Come on. I need it. Right. Yeah. Democratic socialism with the stars. Give them to me. All right? All right. Thank you, guys. <laughs> about, guys.